Uh, dear Lord, we thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds so that we can hear what the Spirit wants to say to our hearts, Lord. Lord, would you give us wisdom through your words here. Lord, we know that Jesus is going to really, really say some pretty pretty good stuff here, Lord, and he's going he's gonna to call out this church. And Lord, I think it's also, he's calling out the church of today. So, Lord, would you help us to hear, Lord, to hear what Jesus is saying and to to heed the warnings and to heed his call. Lord, I pray for each of the men in here, Lord, that you would uh, just be with them, that you would guide them, Lord, that you provide them with housing, that you provide them with jobs. And, Lord, that you would just orchestrate everything, uh, Lord, so that they can so that they can just kind of thrive and move forward from this place. So, Lord, we praise you. We give you this time. We give you ourselves in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, today, we're going to read about the church in Sardis, which is also known as the Dead Church. So, that kind of gives you a right off the rip how bad this is probably going to end up being. Right? When, when you're known as the Dead Church, there's something wrong. <laughs> there are. <laughs> you're going to see some parallels here. <laughs> so... Jesus starts out with, Write to the angel of the church in Sardis. Thus says the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Be alert and strengthen what remains, which is about to die. For I have not found your works complete before my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you are not alert, I will come like a thief, and you will have no idea at what hour I will come upon you. But you have few people in Sardis who have not defiled their clothes, and they will walk with me in white because they are worthy. In the same way, the one who conquers will be dressed in white clothes, and I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and before his angels. Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen to what the spirit says to the churches. Do we need to talk about the, the seven spirits and seven stars again? Do you guys remember what that was? The seven spirits is the completeness of God. So Jesus is saying, I'm God. I am the one who holds that. So, and the seven stars are the churches or the messenger of that church. Uh, so, you know, that's just a quick overview of Jesus, again, giving his authority for what he's going to say. So now, as I read that, how many of you have seen some of the, the parallels to the church that we have nowadays? Right? How many churches have this really good reputation, but they're dead? Like we see this all the time, right? We see churches that are doing really good things and thinking that they're really awesome in what they're doing, but spiritually they're dead. And the sad part is, is most of the time they don't actually realize it because they've been deceived into thinking that all this good stuff means that we're following Jesus. And it doesn't necessarily mean that because if the heart is look at us, look at us, we want to have this awesome reputation. 
of being this church that's alive and that's going to do something for everyone else, but spiritually they're dead, it's meaningless. And I've been a part of these churches, you know, not realizing at the time that spiritually they're dead. And we see this in kind of like the seeker sensitive type churches where everything's very watered down. You know, they do all these fancy, cool setups and lights and really awesome things to draw people in. But that's all that they're doing. They're drawing people in with these fancy things, these fancy lights, this fancy, awesome sound system, this crazy, awesome worship band, which there's nothing wrong with those things. But if that's what you're winning people with, that's what you're going to win people to. And once it's not as exciting anymore, they're going to walk away. Because you never won them with the gospel. Instead, you won them with fancy stuff. And that's where we can see that spiritually they're dead. Now, I'm not saying that, and neither is Jesus saying that everyone in a church like that is dead spiritually. Because that's why he says there are some of you. you know, but by and large, he's saying this church is dead. Spiritually, they are not with him. They're doing good works, and that's it. You know, but they're not preaching the gospel. They're not preaching what sin is. They're not preaching that we need to repent. They're not preaching the things that Jesus preached. And Jesus is, in a sense, condemning them, saying, Hey, it's cool that you look like you're alive, but to me, you're dead. And if you don't fix it, I am going to come to you and I'm going to shut your doors. You know, this coming like a thief, it means that it's unknown. You don't know when he's going to come. You know, and some people have said that that talks about his coming in the end. At the end of the tribulation period, he comes like a thief. That's not, that's not the case here. What this is saying is that Jesus is like, hey, since you don't know me, you don't know when I'm going to show up and shut your doors because you decided not to follow me. Because you wanted to look good instead of having your inner spiritual self saved from sin and death. And so he's, he's literally just calling them out. You know, and if we're supposed to follow the examples of Jesus, aren't we too supposed to call out this type of thing? Call out... Say like somebody who is a professing Christian. Shouldn't we, as somebody who is also a follower of Jesus, go, Hey man, I notice that you're following, you're saying you're following Christ, that you claim to have given your life to Him, but your life says different. The way you're living says very different. In a sense, like we've mentioned many times before, it's having a form of righteousness without the life-giving of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It would be a faith, a faith based on works. And at that point, it's not even faith anymore. It's just works. And what does the Bible call works all throughout 
this scripture. It says that they're filthy rags. It says that they're meaningless outside of Jesus, outside of having the Spirit. And here, if they're spiritually dead, it means they don't have the Spirit. It means they have not been sealed for the day of redemption. You cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven if you have not been sealed by the Spirit. And you can only get sealed by the Spirit if you come to Jesus in repentance and place your faith in Him. You know, and then we let the Spirit come in and do the work of sanctification. You know, so that's why He's saying, look, I want you to wake up. I want you to realize that I am giving you a chance to repent and turn to me. Clearly, as a church, they know the gospel and they know who Jesus is, but they've chosen to live in a way that makes them look good, but they're dead. And this is literally so many professing believers. Like, we go around, we live how we want to live, not how Jesus has called us to live. We go around getting drunk. We go around sleeping around. We go around, you know, cussing up a storm, talking with utter filth. And we don't even give two thoughts about it. Reminds me of the scripture in First John. He who says that they walk in the light but does not the truth is a liar and makes them a liar. Yeah. It's the exact thing that we're saying is that that you know what? You're walking in a truth, but you're not actually believing this truth. So you're making yourself look like something that you're actually not. And it's very easy for us to fall into this trap. It's one of the greatest lies of the devil. Right? To say that you can come to Christ, be saved, and then live like hell, and because of the grace of God, you're still going to be okay. You'll still enter into the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus tells us that, sorry, but if you live in these ways and you live an unrepentant life, you will be separated from me for eternity. And you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, and so he goes on, and this is where we're going to probably spend a lot of time. It says those people who conquer, who do repent, who do follow him, that their names are in the book of life and that he will not blot them out. Now we have to understand, though, that what does this really mean? It means that there were other people's names in the book of life that were blotted out. It's like we've talked about. The book of life is a book written by God that is the registry of heaven. This is the registry of heaven. So people who have come to Jesus and are saved, their names are written in the book of life. And sometimes I kind of wonder, I wonder how many times my name has been erased and then rewritten. 
Because that's what he's saying here. He's saying that your name was here. And because you have become spiritually dead, it's been blotted out. But if you conquer and you live in faith until the very end, your name will remain there. Jesus is destroying the once saved, always saved doctrine that was being taught. Because so many people in the Gnostic kind of space, and the Gnostic teaching was just, you know, was all about this higher knowledge instead of Jesus. So they were saying that you basically can become God, which is what? The lie of Satan. So everything really kind of, every religion ends up back at that point that, hey, you can become a God at some point. Any religion that claims that Jesus is not the Son of God is false. And we see that. We see that a lot in every religion outside of Christianity. I've seen a lot of it with, you know, within different religions they claim, but the way that they go about preaching and living their doctrines is... Right? Well, and that's exactly what we're supposed to do. We're so, we are called as true believers. The words that they use throughout the this part of Revelation is conqueror and overcomer. That is their word for Christian or for believer or for follower. That is how we are described. We are described as overcomers and conquerors because that's what we are. In Christ, we can conquer and overcome sin, right? Because we already have victory over it. We are saints dead to sin. Not sinners saved by grace. Yes, we were once sinners saved by grace, but we have been made saints in the eyes of the Lord because of Jesus. And when you came to Jesus and you faithfully and truthfully put your faith in Him and believed on Him for salvation, knowing in your heart that He died and rose for you, your name was written into the book of life. And if you remain in faith, your name will remain in the book. And later, after the thousand years that believers have reigned on the earth with Jesus for that thousand years, after Satan is cast into the lake of fire, the dead are given up from, from the sea, from Hades. Death itself gives up its dead. And at the judgment seat of Jesus, it says the books are opened. Well, now there's a lot of books at this point. But then there's another book that gets open. And it's the Lamb's Book of Life. And anyone whose name was not found in the Lamb's Book of Life, they were judged on the basis of their works. But they all fell the test. Because it's not on the basis of works. It's on the basis of faith and faith in Jesus alone. So as God, or as Jesus is judging these people, 
He's looking at the books that have their works written down. So if he's looking at their works, then he's judging them based off of the filthy rags? He's looking at it and going, well, that's nice, but you were spiritually dead. And I'm sure he's not looking at them like they're, he's mad at them. He's probably looking at them going, I gave you every opportunity. I gave you every opportunity to turn to me and to have your name written in my book. so that you can enter into eternal life. And I could see him saying, depart from me in sorrow. Depart from me into the lake of fire that was prepared for the devil and the angels that followed him. And I could see him doing it in sorrow but at the same time being fully justified in what he's doing because he is God and the, the grade isn't done on a curve. It's done on, based on perfection. And since we in ourselves cannot be perfect, we needed the blood of Jesus to cover us and to wash away our sins. We needed the Spirit to come into us and lead us through life away from sin and when we do fall we are sorrowful over it and we want to get on our face and pour our life out to jesus telling him i cannot believe i gave into that i cannot believe i let myself into this sin lord i know you've already forgiven me let my repentance be true and let me turn fully to you so I don't give in to that. I lay this sin at your feet. Take it from me. And he will. He will definitely take sin from us because he broke the chains of sin and death. They no longer have a hold on us. But we let this hold still be there. As a matter of fact, it's not even us it's not even sin that's holding on to us anymore. Yeah, the flesh is warring against the spirit, but it's us holding on to the, to the sin going, I don't want to let this go. I don't want to let this go. And sometimes it's because we've done that sin for so long that we believe it's a part of us. And if we let it go, we're losing a part of us. But Jesus says through me, you have been made new. You have been born again. I've cleansed you. Like David said in a psalm, says, cleanse me with hyssop. Renew a right spirit within me. This is what Jesus does. He renews a right spirit within us. And if we faithfully follow him, we remain in his book of life and we will walk with him in white robes. As even at Jesus' return says that there's a multitude that follow him in white robes. It says that they are the called, the chosen, and the faithful. 
This is believers. So it says we reign with him for a thousand years on the earth. And we are given, right? What did we talk about yesterday? That we are given power over the nations to judge the nations by the power of Jesus. And the judgment were there. We're there. So when he sees us, he goes, enter into the kingdom. Enter into the kingdom that I have prepared for you. And he says, well done, good and faithful servants. That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear, I never knew you. It's one thing for us to know who Jesus is. It's a whole other thing for him to know who we are. And he knows us if we've been indwelt by his spirit. And that's only done through faith, right? The free gift of God is by faith, which is grace. It's the free gift of God. Gives it to us freely. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. None of us are good enough. None of us can ever do anything good enough. We don't deserve to have our names written in the book of life. It's just like Paul. He never made anything great of himself. Instead, what did he do? He said, I am the chief of all sinners. I am wretched. He understood the gravity of sin. Which is what we need to do. We need to recognize that we are in sin if we are not with Christ. And we need to understand once we're in Christ that sin hurts him. And that we need to hand it over to him. Be like, look, I don't want this anymore. You already paid the price for this. Why do I need to keep going back to it? Here, take it, please. And then trust that he's going to take it because he's going to and he wants to because he's already nailed to the cross and his sin, his, sorry, not his sin, his blood has already covered over it. He doesn't want to block people's name out of the book of life. That is why he warns them. That's why he warns us. If we didn't have this Bible, we wouldn't know any of this other than what God has already written on our hearts, like the moral code. That came from God. Everyone knows that murder is wrong, but some people choose to do it anyway. You know, the moral code is built in. We didn't have to train our kids how to be bad. We have to train them in what's good and we have to train them in what's bad so that they know that, hey, these things are sin and we do not want to do them. These things are good and we should seek these things. Like we need to always be pointing people to Jesus and going, this is what you should be seeking, not this junk that drags you down to hell. So much, so much stuff can drag us away from Jesus. And it's always us 
who give into it. We're the ones who allow ourselves to become spiritually dead. All the time. And that's why every day we need to be getting in this book, writing it on our hearts, understanding it, chewing on it, living in it, allowing the Spirit to guide us through so that we can truly know and understand it. The Bible's not the hardest thing in the world to understand. Some of it's a little weird. We can all admit that. We're like, wow, whew. especially when you hit Leviticus, you're like, whoa, didn't know those laws existed. You know, but God says, I gave this to you so that you can learn. <coughs> so that you can grow. So that you can know how to follow me. But so often we choose not to. It's kind of sad that in America we'd rather be spiritually dead so that we can feel good in the moments instead of being spiritually alive and know that we get to have joy and peace and strength and boldness in Jesus. It is scary. And it's sad, it's, it's sad more than it's scary. It's sad that that's how we would rather live in America. And that's why sometimes I want to look at the underground churches and go, man, I want to live like that. The one thing in America we think that we're blessed about is that we don't get persecuted as Christians. We think that's a blessing. But in reality, that's not a blessing. The ones who are being persecuted, they are being blessed because it means they are living out their faith in such a way that people want to persecute them. It means they're following Jesus in such a way that people are going, we need to stop this because it's growing. And so they go in and they shut them down and they arrest people. They even kill people. You know, one of the marks of believers is that we're going to be persecuted. How many of you have ever been persecuted for your faith in Christ? I've gotten fights over it. It's close, but you probably shouldn't fight back. <laughs> yes, Mark? First Peter says, If you are defamed for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory, yes, the Spirit of God, is resting on you. Amen. Peter 4, 14. Right? It's just the truth. If you are persecuted, you are blessed. And it's because you are living contrary to the way the world wants you to live. The world is very against Jesus. It's against God. Pro-spirituality. But you bring up Jesus, don't do that. 
And you, you can say the word God all you want, but if you say Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if you claim that Jesus is God, oh man. But what did he say yesterday? He said, Son of God. Jesus straight up said he's the Son of God. Just like a week ago, we talked about how he said, I and the Father are one. Jesus is God. So when you bring up Jesus, people don't like it because they're like, oh, um, how do we handle that one? How do, we, how do we combat against that one? And that's what most religions outside of Christianity who have relationship instead of just a set of rules, like these other religions, or I'm just going to call them what they are, cults. They're all about do, 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 do. We're about it's done, and now we get to do. Because we want to build our relationship with Christ. Because we want the fruit of the Spirit to come out of us. Right? These are the things that Jesus built before the foundations of the earth for us to do. And we can only truly do them if we're spiritually alive. So, the question is, are you ready to wake up? Are you ready to wake up and become alive in Jesus? Because we all know we're not guaranteed tomorrow. You could walk through this door and somebody could shoot you. Hopefully not. Hopefully I would know there's a gunman in the building before that happened. But regardless, you could slip and break your neck and you're gone. You could go outside, take a drag on your cigarette, and have a heart attack. You are not guaranteed your next breath. God decides. He's the one who created you, and He's the one who can bring you back to Him. So why would you want to wait to wake up and become alive in Christ? Why would you want to keep these pet sins in your life instead of letting Jesus transform you into the new creation that he has called you to be? Let's remember this verse. I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. And the reason I say we should remember that phrase is because then we can remember it's not about how we look. It's about how we live. It's not about who we are. It's about whose we are. Exactly. We belong to Jesus if we call Him Lord. He has sealed us for the day of redemption by His Spirit. And we can live on that. So if you need to wake up, wake up. If you need to come alive in Jesus, do so. Lay down those sins you're holding on to and move forward in the arms of Jesus. And let Him... Put your name 
in the book of life. Conquer and overcomer. That is what you are called to be. A conqueror and overcomer. Let's pray, guys. Dear Lord, we pray right now, Jesus, in your name, that you would come upon us now, Jesus, in your spirit. Lord, lift these burdens from us, these sins that we try to hold on to, that we think are a part of who we are, but truthfully they're not, Lord. Jesus, would you embolden us in your name? Would you embolden us by your spirit and give us wisdom so that we can flee sin? Lord, living in your victory. Lord, let our names be founded in your book of life. Lord, let them never be blotted out. Lord, always do everything possible like we know you do to draw us into you. Lord, anyone here who is spiritually asleep, spiritually dead, Lord, would you cause them to wake up, Lord? And I include myself in that. If I am spiritually dead in some way, would you revive that part of me? Lord, we just praise you so much for the work you're doing. Lord, for what you did on the cross, for your death, burial, and resurrection. Lord, we have freedom in you. And we are sealed by your spirit. Lord, we pray right now, Lord, that you would just rain your spirit down on us and make us on fire. Lord, not, not as in the, the, the way that, that every believer becomes filled with your spirit, but Lord, that just spirit of complete boldness and fierceness in your name. Lord, we thank you and praise you. Lord, wake us up and cause us to follow you in everything. In your name, amen. Have a good evening, guys.